Chapter Twelve of Molly Brown's Junior Days by Nell Speed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Alarms and Discoveries. Several things of importance to this history happened during the week before the house party at Exmoor. One morning, just before chapel, Molly was visited by several members of the Shakespearean Society who presented her with a scroll of membership and fastened a pin on her blouse. They then solemnly shook hands and marched out in good order. By this token, Molly became a full-fledged member of that exclusive body. Margaret Wakefield, Jessie Lynch, and Edith Williams were also taken into the society. Most of the other girls in the circle were elected to the various societies that day. Judy and Catherine became Oyo Podridas, which, as all Wellington knows, is Spanish for mixed soup. Nance was elected into the octagons, and all the girls belonged to one or the other of the two big Greek letter societies. If Judy had any feelings regarding the Shakespeareans, she was careful to keep them well hidden under her gay and laughing exterior. The Shakespeareans at Beta Phi House gave a supper for the new members, and later Millicent Porter, in a stunning theatrical-looking costume of old blue velvet, received them in her rooms. Margaret and Edith wore their best to this affair. The Shakespeareans were a dressy lot. I wonder why, in the name of goodness, they ever asked me to belong, exclaimed Molly to herself as she got into her white muslin, which was really the best she could do. I wish I could surprise somebody with something, her thoughts continued. College friends are just like members of the same family. I can't even surprise the girls with a shirtwaist. They are intimately acquainted with every rag I possess. Molly enjoyed the Beta Phi party, however, in spite of her dress, which Millicent Porter had dignified by calling it a lingerie. How much nicer you look than the other girls in more elaborate things, she said admiringly. Molly felt gratified. I don't feel nicer, she said. I have a weakness for fine clothes. I love to hear the rustle of silk against silk. Your blue velvet dress is like a beautiful picture to me. I could look and look at it. There's a kind of depth to it, like mist on blue water. Millicent bridled with pleased vanity. It is rather nice, she admitted modestly. It's a French dress made by the same dressmaker who designs clothes for a big actress. Don't you want to see some of my work? I have put it on exhibition tonight. I thought it would interest the new members. The girls here are quite familiar with it, of course. Molly was delighted to see the craftsmanship of this unusual young woman, who appeared to be a peculiar mixture of pretentiousness and genius. When presently she led Molly into the little den where her silver work was spread out on view, it was almost as if she had turned into a little old man and was taking a customer into the back of his shop. Some of the other girls had followed, and they now stood in an admiring circle around the table whereon were displayed rings and necklaces, buckles and several silver platters you are a wonder cried molly deeply impressed millicent accepted this compliment with a complacent smile papa and mamma think i am she remarked but i have artistic knowledge enough to know that this is only a beginning when i am able to make a vast relief of greek dancing figures on a silver box i shall call myself really great at present i am only near great 
what are you going to do with these things asked margaret oh nothing they just accumulate and i pack them away i don't have to sell any of them of course don't you want to exhibit some of them at the george washington bazaar asked margaret the bazaar will sell them for you at ten percent commission the money goes to the student fund you can have a booth if you like and dress up as benvenuto cellini or some famous worker in silver i am chairman and can make any appointments i choose molly could hardly keep from smiling over the expression on millicent's face the worker in silver and the dealer in antiques were struggling for supremacy in the soul of their descendant oh she cried in great excitement i will fix it up like a florentine shop full of beautiful old stuffs and curios it will be the most beautiful booth in the bazaar and i will choose miss brown to assist me you shall be dressed as a florentine lady of the renaissance i have the very costume now margaret as chairman of the bazaar preferred all appointments to be made officially but seeing that millicent was very much in earnest and that such a booth would greatly add to the picturesqueness of the affair she made no objections there is one thing i would advise you to do miss porter she said when the plan was settled and that is to keep your silver things under lock and key because there is a thief about in wellington you might as well know it because sooner or later you'll lose something we all of us have my monogram ring went this morning i left it on the marble slab in the washroom and when i came back for it not three minutes later it was gone oh dear exclaimed molly i do hate things like that to happen why will people do such things millicent shrugged her shoulders perhaps they can't help themselves she answered i've lost a few little things myself she added but come into my room miss brown and let's talk about your costume i have a gold net cap that will be charming for the next half hour molly was lost in the delights of millicent's collection of beautiful theatrical costumes pieces of old brocades and velvets she drew them carelessly from a carved oak chest and tossed them on the bed in a shimmering mass of rich colors molly lingered so late over these rich stuffs that she was obliged to run all the way back to the quadrangle and fell breathless and exhausted on a stone bench just inside the court as the watchman closed the gates nance and judy were late too nance had been to a secret conclave of the octagons and judy had been having a jolly convivial time with the olla podridas the three girls met in their sitting-room as the last stroke of ten vibrated through the building they were undressing in the dark stealthily in order to avoid the eager eye of the housekeeper who was not popular when they heard a great racket in the corridor what's the matter what's the matter called several voices through half-open doors the housekeeper making her rounds for the night passed them on the run i've been robbed i've been robbed wailed the voice of minerva higgins i won't stand having my things stolen from me who has dared enter my room what have you been robbed of asked the matron sharply she was a lazy woman and detested disturbances two of my best gold medals i won at milltown high school they were pure gold and very valuable good riddance laughed judy if anything in school could be spared it is her gold medals you're only in the same box with all the rest of us miss higgins called a student who roamed across the hall everybody in the quadrangle has lost something they haven't lost gold medals cried minerva they haven't had them to lose i could have spared anything else 
I valued them more than everything I possess. They will be heirlooms someday for my children to show with pride. There were stifled laughs from several of the rooms, and someone called out, Suppose you don't have any. Then she'll leave them to her grandchildren, called another voice. Poor, silly little thing, exclaimed Molly, as the matron, intensely annoyed, went heavily past. Old fatty's gone now. Let's light a lamp, suggested Judy, who either felt intense respect or none at all for all persons. There was no moderation in her feelings, one way or the other. It's a queer thing about this thief business, sighed Molly. It makes me uncomfortable. I can't think of anyone I could even remotely suspect of such a thing. She must be a real cluck, observed Judy, or she never would want the fair Minerva's gold medals. They're of no use to anybody but Minerva. Do you suppose Miss Walker will get another detective like Miss Steele? asked Nance. She was a fine one. The way she tipped around on noiseless felt slippers and listened outside people's doors was enough to scare any thief. Oh, yes, said Judy. She was the real thing, and she wanted everything quiet. If Minerva Higgins had set up a yell like that at Queen's, she would have been properly sat upon by Miss Steele. If Molly's mind had been especially acute that evening, she would have noticed that her two friends were keeping up a sort of continuous duet as they lingered over their undressing. As it was, she barely heard their chatter because she was thinking of something far removed from thieves and detectives. We'll be called down about the light if you don't hurry, girls, she cautioned. Why are you so slow? By the way, did you know there was a package over here on the table addressed to you, Molly? said Nance. Why, no. What can it be? Filled with curiosity, Molly made haste to cut the string around a square pasteboard box. Whatever was inside had been wrapped in quantities of white tissue paper. It feels like China, cried Molly, tearing off the wrappings. Why, it's... It's after ten, young ladies, said a stern voice outside the door. Judy turned out the light. It's Martin Luther, girls, whispered Molly. Judy crept to her room and returned presently with a little electric dark lantern her father had given her. This she flashed on the china pig. One sinner hath repented, she whispered. It is Martin. Nance reached for the hammer. Break him open, she ordered. Let's see if the money's safe. He might be filled with stage money, too. Molly struck Martin Luther with the hammer, muffling the sound with the corner of the rug. The flashlight revealed quantities of silver. Oh, girls, she exclaimed. I've got it all back. I'm glad the thief repented, and I'm glad... Oh, so glad to get the money. And now the sale is on again, said Judy, jumping about the room in a wild, noiseless dance. I can't resist it, ejaculated Molly. I'll buy the dress if you really want to sell it, Judy. They looked carefully at the address on the box. It was printed with a soft pencil and merely said, Miss M. Brown. I suppose the girl felt sorry, Molly remarked but it's a pity she started up so soon again after her repentance and took Minerva's medals. End of chapter 12 Recording by D.R. Baker Robinson